The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. Too heavenly-minded for any earthly good. You ever heard that phrase before? For thousands of years, it's been used by skeptics of religion that say that people who think about spiritual things too much, well, they do real no good for real people. Their heads are just in the clouds. Has it ever felt that God is like that sometimes? That God is too heavenly-minded for any earthly good? After all, he talks about sin and forgiveness and salvation a lot. But when it comes to the day-to-day struggles that we all deal with, when it comes to the struggles of living in the sinful world, sometimes it seems that God just ignores those things and just focuses on the spiritual things. Well, today in God's Word, we get to see that he is very different than someone who is too heavenly-minded for any earthly good. We get to see our God who is compassionate who not only cares for our spiritual needs, but also provides for our physical and emotional needs as well. It had been a long week, and Jesus needed a break. After he got done preaching the parables on the Sea of Galilee, he returned back to his hometown, and you would expect that Jesus would get a warm welcome when he went back home. But it was anything but a pleasant homecoming. One Saturday, he went to the synagogue to preach, And when the people were there, all they gave him was resistance and opposition. Because when they looked at him, all they saw was the son of the carpenter, or the, the young man they watched grow up from the boy. They didn't see him as the son of God. More than the rejection, to make matters worse, he had just learned that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded by King Herod on the whims of King Herod's dancing stepdaughter. It had been a long week, and Jesus needed a break. So he planned a solitary trip for he and his disciples to get away, to unwind after the whirlwind of events. And when the 13 men stepped into that boat, they were exhausted. But word got out real quick where he was going and what he was doing. And by the time Jesus and his disciples made it to the other side of the lake, there was already a large crowd waiting for them. As soon as the people heard, they they ran out of their houses, took their friends who were sick or their family members who were dying, and they ran possibly miles to get there before Jesus got there. And as they waited, and they saw the boat approaching, and Jesus and his disciples get out, they were waiting expectantly. What would Jesus do? Would he send them away because they interrupted his holiday? He interrupted his rest time? No. Jesus looked at them through tired eyes, and he had compassion on them. And he began to heal their physical problems. There's a lot that we can learn from that crowd. Because I don't know about you, but I don't run to Jesus like that. Just think about it. These people went on foot for miles to get to this one man who they trusted that would be able to fix their problems. It might be tempting to say, well, if I could go to Jesus like that, well, I'd run too. But here's the difference between the crowd and us. And the difference isn't that they could go to Jesus. 
No, the difference is, is that we have an even easier access to Jesus than they did. How many times throughout my day do I need this or I need that? Or do I receive this and receive that? And completely take for granted the fact that at any time I have a complete access to Jesus. I can run to my Savior. I can pray and go to him in a very real way. Could it be that we've started to view prayer as nothing more than some spiritual exercise? When we pray in church, do you think it makes any difference? When someone says to you, you know, I'm, I'm praying for you, is there that little sarcastic voice in the back of your head that says, well, thanks for all the help? When something tragic happens to somebody and they ask for prayers, do you think God really hears? Do you think God really cares? Could it be that we don't pray because we just assume that God is too heavenly-minded for any earthly good? That what we have to bring to him is so pitiful and insignificant that he's not going to care anyway? If that describes you, look again at the gospel reading and see your God who is worth running to. See your God who is worth praying to. Because Jesus had every reason not to help the people that were in that crowd. He was tired. The disciples were tired. They were mourning the loss of John the Baptist. And yet, he took time out of his day, and he healed them. He took care of them. He took care of their physical needs. He healed their sick, and when time passed by, and it was getting late, and the stomachs were empty, he didn't send the people away like the disciples suggested. Instead, he made them a feast. A feast that was big enough not just for one morsel per person, but a feast that left everyone completely satisfied. In the same way, Jesus provides for us. Everything we have is a gift from him. And he has orchestrated this world in such a way to make sure that you have clothes on your back and shoes on your feet, that you have food in your stomach and a roof over your head. And if that wasn't enough, Jesus doesn't just give to us sparingly. No, he gives it to us abundantly. He gives to us generously, more than we can ever ask or imagine. And it's not because we earned it in some way, that we've earned God's favor, that we're really good Christians. No, we're just like that crowd, ordinary sinful people. The difference is that we're like that crowd. We trusted in Jesus. We trust in Jesus to provide, and that is what makes all the difference. So run to Jesus and know that there is nothing that he doesn't have time for. Go to him with the big things and the little things, the insignificant things and the life-changing things. But don't just go to him with your requests. Go to him also with your thank yous. See, when Jesus lifted his eyes to the heavens and gave his father thanks, he wasn't doing it for his own sake. He was doing it for the sake of the crowd and for us, to show us that part of asking God for help is also saying thank you. Saying thank you for not only the physical blessings that he gives to us, but also for the emotional care that he gives to us as well. Because the physical needs of the crowd weren't the only things that Jesus was providing for that day. I can only imagine what the disciples must have been feeling when they looked out from that boat and saw that large crowd on the shore. For the disciples, it had been a rough couple of weeks, too. 
That day, they had just gotten back from the ministry trip Jesus had sent them on. He sent them to go preach the gospel and to go heal the sick. And now they were back, and they were physically exhausted, but more than that, they were emotionally exhausted. See, part of preaching the gospel is dealing with rejection. And they dealt with plenty of that. Some people had no time for what they had to say. Some people drove them out of their houses. Some people even drove them out of their cities. Now, on top of that emotional exhaustion, they too had to deal with the grief of losing John the Baptist because John was their master before Jesus was, for many of them. So this grief and this loss and this rejection all culminated into that high and that excellent, that great feeling of preaching the gospel that came plummeting down very quickly and left them lacking. They were feeling the lows of ministry. And when you're at that point, it's very easy to start asking the question, is Jesus really in control? Have the gut punches of grief gotten you asking that question lately? Is Jesus really in control? You found yourself saying to yourself, well, if God's going to treat me like that, he's not worth my time. Or maybe it's, there are so many people in this world that aren't dealing with what I'm dealing with right now. You're telling me that God cares about me when he's making me suffer this way, but some unbeliever out there doesn't have to go through this at all? You're saying God cares? Or maybe it's a situation that you just can't believe Jesus hasn't let up yet. He hasn't stopped the flow of problems. You've been just having problem after problem, struggle after struggle, and where's Jesus? Won't he make it stop? Doesn't he know I can't keep going on like this? When you're in that place, it's very easy to forget who Jesus is. That's what the disciples forgot. When everything was going wrong, when Jesus seemed to be out of control, and these people needed food, the disciples walked up to the creator of heaven and earth and said, hey, send them away to some market to get food for themselves. What was the implication? Jesus, there's nothing you or we can do to fix their problem. Let them fend for themselves. When the disciples came to Jesus telling him to send the crowd away, Jesus used that as an opportunity to not only provide for the physical needs of the people in the crowd, but also the emotional needs of the disciples. He to strengthen them, he showed them his power. He took this measly little lunch, five pieces of bread and two fish, and turned it into a feast that fed thousands. To encourage them, he said, go, hand out the pieces to everybody. And as the disciples went along, they got to see the, the faces light up as they received the gifts with thanksgiving. And to show the disciples his love for them, Jesus made sure that there were 12 baskets left over, one basket for every disciple. Those baskets were important. It showed them that God hadn't forgotten about them, that God still cared about them, even though they were emotionally exhausted, even though they were grieving, Jesus was still in control. So when you're in that place, and you don't know how much more you can take, when you're emotionally exhausted, find rest in your Savior Jesus. Dig through that basket that he's given to you and see what you find. To strengthen you in the hard times, he tells you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. 
to encourage you when you don't know if you can go on anymore, he says, hold on, I am preparing a place for you. And to show his love for you, he reminds you again and again that even that while we are still sinners, Jesus died for us. So find rest in God's gospel promises. Find rest in your baptism. Find rest in the Lord's Supper. So when everything seems like it's falling down around you, you can be absolutely sure that Jesus is still in control. Though there might be times that God seems to focus on the spiritual things to the detriment of the rest of the things going on in this world, he is anything but too heavenly-minded for any earthly good. When God looks at you, he looks at all of you, body and soul, and he has compassion. And in his compassion, he gives your body what it needs, even when we don't ask for it. In his compassion, he takes care of our emotional problems as well, giving us a Savior in whom we can find rest. So continue to go to your God with your pleases and your thank yous. Continue to run to your Savior as your place of rest, and it is there that you will find that in Jesus we have everything that we need. Amen.